Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Andy J Podcast. Podcast. Hey, welcome to episode 102 of the Andy J Podcast. I hope you're doing really well. Today is a very special chat with a lady who I recorded with a few weeks ago. We've been sitting on this one for a while, partly due to the fact that we wanted to bring it out when we knew the timing of her album, which is going to be uh, her new album, Everything I Didn't Say, is going to be coming out very, very shortly if you're listening to this in real time. She is, of course, Ella Henderson, and this was a really, really terrific chat. Now, I just want to say a quick hello to the new listeners that will be coming in, especially for Ella. Hope you're doing well. I'm saying that because we have this wonderful tribe of regular listeners, and you seem to be growing by the week, which is really impressive, and thank you. But I have noticed that with certain stars, like, for example, James Arthur, when he came on, we then see a big bunch of visitors, big bunch of listeners that come in for special episodes and dip in. And some of you stick around, and that's terrific. Thank you. So if you are one of the newbies, like the tribe that joined for James Arthur, about 70% of you stuck around, by the way, which was great. Um, Then if you are one of the newbies that's joining from Ella, and this is your first time to the show, hi, welcome. The gist of the show is that we chat to big names, and we talk about their lives. We get inside their heads and see what it's like being them, finding out what it is to be well, successful, famous, and all the challenges that come with it. Not just the easy, happy stuff, not just the simple anecdotes that you've heard before, but the realities of living in the public eye. Now, as for Ella, not only was she just really great company, I thoroughly enjoyed her. She was a very, very, very friendly, warm, kind, and generous guest. But she was also someone that has clearly lived a very deep-thinking life. The way she looks at the world is remarkable and mature and fascinating, and and she's just very, very nice. Uh, If you're new to Ella, I can tell you she kind of hit the scene in 2012 when she was on The X Factor at age just 16. And back then, I think she was favourite, but she actually only only finished sixth. That didn't hold her back, though, because Simon Cowell's label, Psycho, they signed her up straight away. And then she had this massive hit that I think changed her world ghost in 2014 and well superstardom followed from that that said her much anticipated second album which is the one that is just about to come out everything I didn't say has been seven years in the writing so there's been quite a pause from album one to this one there's also clearly uh, an important conversation about Ella's mental health. She's had a a pretty tough time over the years and she's been quite vocal about that previously but I think we explore that in quite a new way today and it was an amazing chat where she was just so honest and so revealing it felt a little bit like a therapy session at times. She was also a lot of fun. We sort of played around with it and had a bit of a chuckle to ourselves and you know she was She really got into the spirit of the conversation and I I admire her hugely. So I will let her do the rest of the talking for herself. Safe to say, thank you for joining us. This is a very special chat with a very cool young lady. The 
What should we say about today's very special guest? Well, how about this? There's a brand new album on the way. There are massive hit singles currently flying up the charts. There's a tour in the summer. Oh, yes, it brings me great pleasure to welcome the sensational Ella Henderson. How are you doing, Ella? Hello, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I am, do you know what, I'm really thrilled we're chatting because I'm getting the sense just from the things that I've said there. I mean, three big, big points for you. This is going to be a hell of a year. Yeah, 2022 is the year. I feel like the last few years have kind of blown into one giant year and this year is going to be different. I'm I'm holding all high hopes for this year. Um, New album, new music, I'm touring. um, I'm back, I'm back in the game. And um, yeah, it's been a long time coming, but I feel ready for it. Do you know what, Ella, this really surprised me, right? Obviously, I've done a bit of a dive into your your career and your life and all the rest of it. And... I think it's probably partly because of the pandemic. Everyone's lost track of time. You know what I mean? The last few years don't really feel yeah. like, ugh. but I hadn't realised seven years since the first album. I know. We've been, we're, we're, I know. Crikey. <laughs> <laughs> I know it has been a while. It wasn't intentional either. I promise it was, um, you know what? I think I came into this game so young. I was 16 years old when I signed my first record deal. And obviously when I came off X Factor, um, I took two years to kind of have the process of writing my first album and there was no pressures on me or anything like that. It was just when it's ready, it's ready. Um, and then obviously I had Ghost and we released Ghost and that shot to number one. The album went to number one and it was just a crazy couple of years. I mean, from the age of 18 to like 21, those four years were just incredible. Like I went across the globe to places I never imagined I'd ever visit in my life, let alone because of my own music. Um and it was incredible, but like I feel as though when I returned home after it all, it was kind of like to sit down and go into album two. I was like, I've got nothing to write about that's relatable. Um, no one's going to relate to an album of what I've just done over the last four years. Like it's it's not normal for a twenty one year old. So I think, you know, I wanted to find my feet. I didn't really know where home was. Um, I didn't know where my mates were at. They're all at different schools and at unis and. You know, I didn't even have a sofa or a flat to live in at the time. Like, I was just so here, there and everywhere that, you know, everything that should be kind of like your grounded things and the normal things didn't exist in my life. So, for me, I'm I'm really proud and, like, glad I did take a bit of time and a step back from everything because I think if I didn't, I don't think I'd be where I'm at now. Yes. Yes. I mean, just hearing you answer that little question, it just kind of highlights the whirlwind that your life certainly in those early years, must have been. I mean, absolutely crazy. And, and also, you know, the, there's that whole famous sentence, isn't it? The difficult second album. You, you know, Even you wouldn't have expected to be waiting seven years to deliver it. But as you've just put, your life was just this kind of crazy merry-go-round of change, constant change. Yeah. No, it was. It was like, um, I think nothing can ever prepare you for it. And then when it does happen, you just kind of take it in your stride and it's so incredible. Like I'm so fortunate that I've got an amazing family that have kept me so grounded and, and, you know, they've stuck with me and supported me through everything. Um, but also just like aside of music, I needed to live like, and just do some normal things and make mistakes like any teenager would. Um, you know, like the transition of going from like your late teens into your, your twenties is like, you know, it's quite a pinnacle time. Um, and I think doing it like under the limelight or feeling like I had to release music for the sake of it, like it just didn't feel right to me. So, 
you know, I did take my time. I mean, I've, I've always been creating and writing in the background. I've collaborated with other artists and obviously people have heard me do different dance collaborations along the way. And Yeah, there have been, been lots of remixes and things and you've had Sigma and so on. Yeah. So yes, you've been, you've been busy. Yeah, I've never really stopped and I've always been creating for this album, but I always said, you know, until it feels right to me and until I feel right, like there's one thing having the music ready, but if you're not mentally prepared to go into a campaign, there's no point anyway. You've got, it, it takes everything from you and um, you've got to be ready to give it. And I think I just wanted to feel like I was in more of a settled place in my life. And I can probably say seven years on, I actually feel like that now. And I've, I've shaken this whole pressure of album two away. Like I think success to me means so much more than a chart position now. I think I've really grown and probably evolved in, in what, what things matter to me and I don't know maybe lockdown helps with that a little bit as well you know like having a chance for not just me to hit pause but the whole globe did yes. um, together and I think everybody kind of came to this place as well where you probably realize actually like what matters to me the most what morally makes me happy and and what are the things that you know actually mean something to you um, and making sure that you implement those things into your life a bit more do you know what, Ella, this is going to sound, well, I'm an old man, so I can say kind of slightly patronising things, so I don't mean it to sound patronising, but listening to you speak now, it's hard to realise that you're actually only 26, you know, the, the, the way the way you're speaking, and I guess this is because you've had the best part of a decade in this industry, but the sort of reflections yeah. and so on, the sort of thing I'd expect Dolly Parton to be saying, you know, or, or whoever it may be, you know, this is success and all the rest of it is more important than chart positions and... and you've really got your head screwed on. And I suppose that's because you've had seven years of identifying what it is that's important. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I don't know, I think when when I was 16, 18 even, I think as much as I took it all in my stride, it was so terrifying and daunting. Um, and everything was new to me. Like I didn't know anything Um other than I knew I could sit at a piano and write a song and I performed, like, everything else was just a blur. So I think when you've had that experience under your belt, like, coming into it this time feels like, okay, if I trek that amazing time of my life as a, almost like an apprenticeship, then everything's going to be okay. And, um, and you know, and all you can ever do as well is, like, work your hardest, get your ass into gear and just hope that, you know, everything that you do is, is, is enough. And I think... I finally feel like the music is ready. I feel like it, it's, that it's definitely at a place where I know I couldn't stay anymore and I couldn't give anymore. Um, I think ultimately the main reason it did probably take a little while for me is because I think I didn't have enough to say when I was younger. Um, and now, seven years on, I feel like this album kind of literally explores everything. You know, there's songs on there from seven years ago that I've reworked and there's also songs on there from the end of last year. So I feel like everybody can hear the journey of what I've been on over the last seven years. Yes. Um, and I think it's probably more relatable than it would have been if I'd have released a song about travelling the world and everything was going well, because that's just not life, is it? <laughs> well, and you know what? This is really important, Ella. It, it, it sort of highlights how important the meaning of the songs are to you, because you could have just written songs by numbers. You know, you could have just gone, oh, I need a hit, so I'll just do a little love song and make it up and this, that and the other. Or like you say, you could have written a song about the challenges of going from one limo to the next. But, you know, that's not... That's not going to, no one's kind of learning anything about you from that. You're not sharing any of yourself no. with that. You're just ticking some boxes. Whereas this, I mean, I've heard the new album. It's, it's terrific. We'll talk about it in a moment. 
we've got to go back to a few things to get to why why it's so good now, I think. But this is you saying, here we are. This is this is where I'm at. This is my life right now and what I've been on for the last seven years. Yeah, and I think a lot of people question, are questioning like, oh, why is it not called chapter two? You know, your first album is chapter one and this is called Everything I Didn't Say. What You know, what is it that you didn't say before? And I think as well, like, I probably want to say and have a chance to say on, on here in this interview that it's not because, you know, I didn't want to not carry on like the, the chronological order of things. And I just felt as though seven years is quite a chunk of time of somebody's life. Um, and chapter two wasn't enough. <laughs> I feel like this is like the, ju- the the beginning and like the middle, like when it starts to get juicy in a story. And, you know, your 20s are when like you're making mistakes, you're learning, you're learning the ropes of life, you're finding your feet, you're realizing who your real friends are. You're figuring out things about yourself that you didn't know. Um, and you're also learning about your standards and, and you know, what, what's important to you in life. So all of that is in here. Like, the highs, the lows, the good, the bad, the ugly, and hence why it's now called Everything I Didn't Say. I think it ended up being a line that I kept saying in every planning meeting on Zoom, um, to which we ended up being like, okay, I think this is the name of the album. Um, and it is, it is like word vomit. It's me opening up and talking about <laughs> things that I probably never would have dared speak about when I was younger um, or didn't feel comfortable enough to open up about. And, you know, and I think a lot of that comes from uh, spending some time with myself and going on like my own self-worth journey I suppose um because I think on the first album every song is more so about me in a situation or me and another person or about another person and on this album you know there's there's a handful of songs on there which are literally about me and learning stuff about myself which is getting quite vulnerable and sometimes getting you know sometimes it's quite um I don't know (laughs) there's a bit of comedy value in it too but um and I suppose that's kind of what I felt like that's what my fans would probably want to hear from me. The Well, this is the lovely thing is you've got a wonderful juxta- juxtaposition of you're telling the story, you're sharing your life. Yes, there are some kind of laugh, laughy moments. You play with lyrics very nicely, but there's still what people I think would expect. There's still some proper anthems in there mixed in with the sort of big, powerful, heartfelt songs that people will be choosing for their weddings in years to come. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, otherwise it'd be like, yeah, okay, so you've uh, you've gone for Gregor- Gregorian chants. This is a new new vibe for you, Ella. Um, so look, let's talk about it. You've you've mentioned X Factor. I don't want to go kind of go on about it forever because you've probably been speaking about it for the last ten years. So let's just frame it because this is the first time you and I have made friends. So let, let's kind of revisit it briefly, if that's all right. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I want to say is, yes, you were sixteen, which. <sighs> It, it, I, I guess reflecting on that now, I, I guess you must realise just how young that seems now. That's so young to yeah. be doing something so big. It's so funny, you know, because when I was that age and I did it, I don't think I ever, when everyone would kind of say, oh my God, you're so young. Like it just didn't hit home. And I was like, what's everyone on about? Like, I'm fine. <laughs> and then I look on it now, like, so 10 years on, I'm sat here as a 26-year-old and I look, I've got a nephew who's 15 and I look at him and I'm like, in a year's time, would I let him go on national TV Saturday, Sunday night and be judged for something he loves doing and have everyone watching to, like, criticise, scrutinise or fall yeah. in love? I'd be like, absolutely, I'd be so protective over him. So now I understand probably what my mum and dad felt like um, or my brothers and sisters and equally, like, it's funny because I think over the years I've grown more fearless in things where I think and more confident in myself, but there's definitely an element of like, put it this way at this age. Now I might, if you said to me, do you want to go on a show and uh, be judged to be singing? I'd be like, no, 
Don't be judged so for anything. I don't know what no. Was in me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's something. There's something in the water when you're like in your teenage years. I do think you've got an element of being quite fearless, and I don't think I quite understood what I was maybe getting myself into either. But um, I think as well the thing that actually drew me towards going on the show even that year, they introduced the new rule that you could um, sing your own song, your own right. material, because that never existed before on any talent show or TV show, and. When I heard that, I was like adamant to my dad. I was like, I need to audition. I was like, I just want to. And I wasn't bothered about being on the show. I was just bothered about a producer or somebody behind the scenes hearing me. So then I could maybe get in a, in a recording studio and, and start writing songs and showing people. Because I wanted to be like a Carol King and, and, and write songs, even if it meant I was writing for other artists. Like, that was my dream. Do you know what? And that, I think, was probably... The, the biggest boon for you because we know how the, the show finished you were the favourite you had a sing-off with James Arthur who ended up winning it thank goodness for you because it's alright to lose out to the winner isn't it and and so ultimately you finished sixth but Simon Cowell had seen your talent the world was suddenly aware of you or at least in the UK we're like hang on who's this amazing girl with this incredible voice but moreover you can write and Simon Cowell had seen that so it didn't really matter in hindsight where you finished in the competition because Simon signed you up. He was like, you, I, I can't let this go. This is too good to go. <laughs> so, so in a way, you kind of managed to avoid the pressure of expectation of winning the thing, you know, and going on and doing the song that you, have, you, you they're expecting you to do. You get your freedom. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it was. Um, and it's strange because in, at that time, obviously, I have no clue about that. Like, you don't know until you come off the show and, like, there's a week after and you're invited into a record label and people are pitching to you like you have no idea like in my head when I came up the show I was like okay back to do my A-levels mm. <laughs> um I was like okay this is over like but what an amazing experience so I do think like you know the show gave me that huge platform of a lifetime and I do think the fact that I came off where I did in the show I think that was so poignant for me because of my age I think if I'd have had the pressure of being feeling like I had to go straight into it at 16, I think I was too young. Um, and also, I can remember when I signed, I, you know, I sat down with my book and um, I can remember sitting in the room and um, it wasn't actually with Simon. He was away in America, but it was with the whole team that kind of like helped me get my album together. And they said, OK, so if there's anyone that you would dream of writing with and working with, who would it be? And I opened my book and I had such a long list of songwriters and I can remember them all being like, how do you know who all these people are? I was like, these, these are like my icons. And, you know, it's the likes of Salam Remy who did like the Back to Black album with Amy Winehouse, uh, Al Shook who did um, Empire State of Mind with Alicia Keys, um, Babyface who did stuff with like Whitney and Mariah back in the day. Um, just like everyone on my list and even Ryan Tedder was part of my list as an amazing songwriter. Um and do you know what? By the end of those 18 months, two years, I'd been in a room with every single one of them. So, you know, hats off to the label. Like, they, they made it happen for me. And and that in itself, quite honestly, even if Ghost never would have been released or ever have happened, like, I would have walked away and felt like my dreams were fulfilled because being in a room with those people and learning from the best is just, like, that's priceless. Like, yes. I would pay money to be in a room with those people and just watch them because... You learn so much, and um, and that's kind of what I did as well. Like I just wanted to learn from the best and be around them, and 
and understand what it takes to write a hit song or a record and like is there this magic recipe that goes on or is it different every time and I just found that so amazing. Yes, um, I, I bet it was yeah, incredible. It I was bet it big... still is, though. When you're in in the room with anyone else writing a song, I bet when the, when the magic's in the room, it's still awe inspiring. Oh yeah, I think uh, when I first started out, though, I was so nervous to be in a room with those people because you almost feel like you don't deserve to be there. Right. And um, but what I found amazing was the likes of people like Ryan Tedder or even Babyface. Like they made you feel like you're on their level, and because you do have to be like that because anytime we go into a room and write a song, like everyone starts from the same place. Okay. We've got nothing, but we want to come out with something great. And if there's kind of any like hierarchy or anyone that's got some kind of ego, it's just never going to work. Um, so learning that as well and seeing that was just like amazing. So I was like, Oh my God, these people are not only like, incredible but they're really really nice <laughs> yes. um, but you know what ella that's that's because everybody everybody no matter who you are and what there are what they're doing in the world and so on everybody has imposter syndrome everybody thinks they shouldn't yeah. be in the room doesn't matter how many hits you've got you you know this because of all the success you've had i bet there are still times when you go oh am i good enough to be doing this i'm just gonna blag it oh god yeah no for sure you definitely have like you, you have I've, I've had it before where i've had like weeks or even a month of thinking i'm the worst songwriter and why did I ever pick this as, as my full-time job um and then you know a week later you're in a, a studio in a room and you're like oh okay I've, I've got it back yeah, it's I got this back. we're okay just, yeah. yeah exactly um but that's with anything in life any any career or job or path that you've kind of gone on in life you're always going to hit walls or little blocks along the way and it's about working through them yes yes precisely look I, I, there's only one more thing I need to say about X Factor Ella because I don't know how many people have pointed this out to you I don't, I don't know how much this haunts you but I'm going to use one word and you explain to me exactly what that word means to you. Rylan. <laughs> I, I just had a, a gulp of tea and I nearly spat it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, what a, like, honestly, do you know what? He made my time on the show so special. Like he is one incredible human being. And I tell you what, I think he did the best out of all of us on the show. Um, <laughs> He's gone on to have an incredible career in TV presenting and like, yeah, I'm just so proud of him. But yes, but yeah, not, as, like not my, as a singer, Ella. I mean, like, I, I want to make it clear. You are significantly more talented in the vocal department than, <laughs> than Rylan, who somehow finished well, above you. Well, you never know. You should see Rylan behind the scenes. He's a guy with many talents. <laughs> um, honestly, like he made the time on the show. Just, I mean, I think for all of us as contestants, but um, yeah, he took me right under his wing. He was like my agony aunt my naughty big brother like just everything and I think he really really did see me as like she is so young like I've got a protector and um yeah he was amazing and still to this day we're so close and really good friends you know we text and check in on one another and whenever we see each other at anything or or we're around one another it's just like it's funny because we both nothing and nobody will ever understand and even I, I say this to James Arthur like nobody will ever understand kind of what we all went through. It's like one thing that we all bond on that nobody else will ever understand. So it's, it's quite a special thing because, you know, going through that TV show and kind of that whole um, machine is, is definitely, um, it is daunting and it is, it is an experience. And, you know, we all came from such different backgrounds. It was like a dysfunctional family by the end of it. Yes. No, you guys will be bonded for life because like you say, there's no one other than the, the handful of you that were going through it together will have experienced the same thing. Yeah. So yeah, it's, and, and it's lovely actually that you've got those as a group to go to whenever you need to. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I just think, um, I think what's really, really special as well is like, it, it's not about, um, it's not about our careers anymore. It's just, we always just check in on, you know, how are we as people? And, you know, we're always there for one another. And if we need to go over or check in, like, I think that is really special because, you know, you, I can probably count only on both of my hands, really, on the people I've met along the way that really are truly there for you in this industry. Yes. Well, and indeed in real life, you know, it's that's kind of, yeah. you know, I think someone once said to me, you only need two friends in the world, two real friends, and everyone else will just come and go. But provided you've got two mates that know you through thick and thin, you'll be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, all this stuff. No, about. I totally agree with that. It's slightly embarrassing when you throw a party, but nonetheless, you know, it's okay. It's, it's, <laughs> it's worked for me so far. Um, now, now let's. you mentioned Ghost, obviously, your massive, massive hit in 2014. And, and crikey, I mean, firstly, what a banger. I mean, it's still, it still resonates. It still fills the dance floors today. But that is the song that changed everything, isn't it? Yeah. No, it is the song that literally, like, you know, I'm going to be singing it till I'm 80 and I'm also like just you know I never I always knew that like when Ryan and I sat and wrote it like I remember it feeling so special and like something I was super proud of and excited for but you know you have no control of what other people are going to think of your music or how they're going to you know take it so I don't know like it was just crazy and a whirlwind and honestly that song took me to places like you know the fact that even things like the Ellen show, I'll never forget landing in America and, and like hearing my song on the radio over there and, and people recognizing me and, and turning up to TV shows that like I would watch on YouTube or I'd watch over here and be like, Oh my, you know, things that just feel like a million gazillion miles away. Yeah. Someone else's <laughs> um, life. And all yeah. of a sudden you're there doing it. It was just so surreal. And um, so yeah, that song did change my life. Um, and, you know, that song literally helped me buy a house. It's helped me do everything and, like, set myself up as, like, you know, and, and really helped me through life. And I think, um, obviously, it took a lot of work and hard work to grasp and get that song because I think it was the last song, the second to last song I wrote for the album. And we were nearly going to release my first album at the Christmas time. And I kind of said, look, I feel like there's still something in me to get out. Like, let's just bide it at least another couple of months. And we did, and that's when um, Ryan came to London and I was able to meet him and get in the studio and Ghost happened. And it's just crazy to think if that song never happened, maybe I wouldn't be where I am today. Yes, it's sliding doors, isn't it? But it did, and it was, and boom. I mean, uh, one thing I was thinking about this, though, Ella, is is that obviously that, that, that song exploded. The album, by the way, did really, really well. Let's be fair, it's not the only song on the album that, that, that landed with people. Many, many did. But when you were promoting it, Obviously, you've got your fans, you've got people kind of your age and younger loving your music, coming and seeing you all the time. You've got older people loving the music, etc. But the people you're talking to, you mentioned Ellen there and you you did the chat show circuit and so on. And I was thinking, yeah. this, this must have been a bit surreal because you were like 18 at this point, 18, 19. Mm-hmm. And all the people you're talking to with your Ellens and so on and people like me and stuff, we're kind of, we're, we're old fuddy-duddies. You know what I mean? There's, there's kind of no one... There's no one of your age that you can... They used to be CD UK. Ant and Deck used to be the same age. You probably watched it when you were a kid. They used to be the same yeah, age as, yeah. the, as the pop stars going on there. You know, it was it was your yeah, S Club 7s and so on. They were the same age. And it was a giggle. There was stuff to have a laugh with. But you kind of got put on this circuit where you're this youngster with an amazing voice, with incredible songs and brilliant albums, talking to oldies. Was it a bit kind of... You had no one really to connect with? 
I think that's something where, honestly, it's probably, again, the reason why I did take a bit of time and a step back from everything. Because when I did come off, like, of doing all the promo run and traveling here, there and everywhere, I think it is a little bit lonely. And, you know, it's an incredible experience and I'm so grateful for it. And I don't want to sound ungrateful, but no, no. there are parts you know, where you do come back to the hotel room and you are on your own, you find yourself ordering room service for one, trying to watch a film, trying to like, and you want to FaceTime your friends or your or your family, but you can't, you're on a different time zone. And I think I've, I really struggled with things like that. I mean, obviously my team that was with me are the same people that are with me today. Um, and I'm grateful for that. And we're so close, but you know, nothing can replace your best mate or like, you know, my mum or sitting and having a cup of tea with my mum outside the back door and actually feeling like, okay, I'm safe here. Like nothing replaces that. So of course I missed that. And I think that's again, like you said, like I was often around people that were at least 10 years or more older than me. So I had to like act more mature than my age a lot of the time. Even if at times I literally just felt like I wanted to scream, run away, hide or throw a big tantrum. I couldn't. Yes. Um, I just wasn't in a room or a place to be able to do that. And also I had this massive fear of just like making a mistake. I was like, oh my God, everyone's like doing this like the seventh time over and I'm here the first time and I'm young. Like I can't, can't ruin it for anyone. Like I've got to get everything right. And I think that kind of pressure being put on myself that I did to myself was a lot to take on. So coming back and taking a step back was the best thing ever because I think that's exactly what I did. I had like a couple of years where I literally would just see my mates go out, drink, like I'm obviously not promoting kids to go go out, drink, smoke and do all of that. But like I just, you know, I needed to live a little bit and feel like, okay, I, I want to do the normal things that I probably would have done when, if I'd have gone to uni, but I never had the chance to. You're listening to the Andy J Podcast and we really appreciate having you here with us. If you're enjoying the show, why not leave us a lovely review and perhaps five stars and subscribe wherever you're listening as it really does help. The Andy J Podcast. Yes, you had to learn how to be you really rather than this person who was kind of doing the chat show circuit and promoting things and never making a mistake and being, you know, the, the sort of perfect person person you had to be to sell the music uh, I mean it makes complete sense I mean you did you did leave Psycho Simon Cowell's label and 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 then you obviously you found a new one and, and hence why we're able to talk about the new music are you comfortable talking about this Ella? say if if not and we won't open this door but you you have kind of been on record talking about mental health and and you did it's not connected to, to leaving Simon's label but it is something that happened afterwards just chronology wise you did have a a kind of notable panic attack where you, I think you were in Ikea or something abroad and you, you, woke, up, you <laughs> yeah. woke up in hospital. I have to say, like, out of all the places that's ever going to trigger panic attack, it probably would be a place like Ikea. Just finding so, the way out, Ella. You can never get your way no, out. No, I know. <laughs> um, yeah, so obviously um, I was with Psycho for nearly six years, six or seven years, and it just got to a place where I think I was ready for change. And I think in any kind of job, career path or anything, like, at first, I think I felt really guilty, but then actually when I sat down with my parents, you know, my mum was like, look at your brothers and sisters who are all older than me. And they're like, they go through different jobs every couple of years or some of them leave and go to different companies. She's like, it's normal to feel like that's what you want and change. And if you feel that's what you want, then you go for it. So it was all done on very mutual terms and on really nice terms. So we parted ways and... Do you know what? It was a surreal feeling because there was this element of, oh my gosh, like, I don't know if I'm ever going to be in a record deal again. Um, right. And also it was this freedom feeling of like, 
I can actually do whatever I want right now. And not that anybody ever owns me, but it's like I'm not tied to anyone or anything. Um, I can actually just, you know, if I want to be a songwriter for the rest of my life or, I don't know, do I want to go traveling? And I did take a bit of time. I even went to um, Austria um, in between all of that time. And I went to this place where I could just kind of like take a break, turn my phone off. And went for like these walks and hikes and climb mountains with people. And cool. it was just really, really like amazing to just feel like, okay, like what do I actually want out of life now? And what, what's my goals? And also realigning my goals because from, I mean, gosh, I don't know, like from being the moment I could sing and at the moment I played a piano key, like my dream was to sign a record deal. And I honestly thought that wouldn't happen until I was in like my mid 20s, like the age I'm at now. So, Obviously, having that and then having a number one and a number one album, like I ticked off these things off my bucket list so young that I almost didn't know what my goals were anymore. Like I didn't have like life goals aside from music either. It was like, you know, like, do I want a house? Where would I love to live? Like, you know, one day do you want to be married? Do you want to find someone? Like just all these things that I'd never really asked myself. So, yeah, I think over those years, I've definitely updated bloody idiot tool bags and all sorts but um i've not heard that one before you've dated a tool bag well done that's (laughs) That's a phrase where i come from where you you date someone that's just an absolute plonker Um, (laughs) i love it i'm gonna steal that yeah Um, yes and i think i think like i guess i think it was probably i think when i had my first panic attack i think it was a moment in my life where i probably was like I felt as though maybe all the anxiety that I'd maybe been holding on to from all those years when I was younger maybe just caught up with me because I never ever um broke down or had a moment or like these huge wobbles like and there was a lot of pressure and there was a lot to take on and I just dealt with it all and and I I used to like I remember when I did feel like a bit wobbly I would be so freaked out by it when I was younger I'd be like oh my god you can't feel like that and I'd put a big smile on my face and carry on so I wondered whether it's maybe just a, a thing of like, eventually, like all. It's almost like when you go to stop, everything kind of hits you, doesn't it? Yes, um, yes. It's, it's like when I you've just finished the, something, you get a cold all of a sudden when you've been managed yeah, to hold it off forever. Exactly. Yeah. So I, mean, I think maybe that was the cold. <laughs> well, um, I mean, Ella, I, d- I don't want to sort of frame mental health in such a sort of jovial way. I, I kind of laughed about the, the IKEA thing, but I certainly wasn't laughing about the impact of, of having a panic attack and the knock-on effect. Um, and, of course, we, yeah, you know, sure. it'd be irresponsible us to sit here and, and kind of liken mental health to having a cold. But it is it is something that you have had to live with. It's had, uh, And you, yeah. I guess you've had to put practices in place to keep yourself balanced. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anyone that's going through or has been through, um, you know, phases of having panic attacks or, you know, struggles with their mental health, like, it is really hard. And I think the biggest thing for me as well was actually accepting that that's what it was. You know, it it took probably a year and a half through going through every single procedure and doctor's tests and everything to actually believe that this was something that was kind of, you know, not medical, but it was and it was something that nobody could see but it felt so real um and I think accepting it as well is like the first thing you kind of have to come to grounds with and then understanding it and eventually having to like realize okay there's this whole realm now I need to dig deep into where I can I can help myself but it's going to be really hard but I've got to do it um and I did like you know whether it's breathing techniques I, I actually 
started up with a therapist for the very first time in my life. And I mean, wow, I, if there's one thing I wish I could give everybody on this walk of earth as a therapist, because it changed my life. Really? Um, just having somebody so unbiased to talk to, you know, like, you know, I always would speak to my parents and I had people to turn to, but they're people where they're going to always try and pick you up and get you back on the path as quick as possible. Whereas speaking with a therapist is just so different. And, um, you know, you're not judged for anything and anything you feel, you don't have to feel guilty for. And I think that took a lot of weight off my shoulders as well. Um, and also the moment I did open up for the first time and talk about it, I felt, I used to feel so alone about it and like I was this crazy person. And then the moment I started talking about it, I realized, oh my gosh, like so many people go through this. And, and the more you read about it, it's so common. And oh my God, that thing that I'm feeling or that physical symptom, it's, it's fine. That's, that's, that's very normal and common. And you just feel a little less alone. And um, for me, it was just like liberating to finally open up about it. And I think the more and more I have spoken about it, the more comfortable I feel about it. And I'm not embarrassed or ashamed anymore. And there should never be that stigma attached to it. And I think people often get the words mental health confused with being a crazy person to actually it being, you know, something real. And it's something sometimes that can just be the slightest thing that just, you know, we all, I think in life, we all face it, whether you want to label it that or not. We yes. all face these, you know, whether it's a dark hole or a dark phase or, you just don't know how to get out of this place and um, it can be really, really difficult. And um, there's so many reasons and things that can trigger it. And I think for me, the biggest thing has been making sure that my bubble is like, and the people around me and the things I implement into my life are there for the good and not the bad. Yes. Yes. And, and actually just making sure that you are staying in touch with how you're feeling. I mean, I, I spoke to James Arthur recently, your, your songwriting buddy and X Factor friend and so on, and, and he shared that he'd been suicidal two or three times. How dark did mm -hmm. you get, if you're comfortable talking about it? Did you ever get close to things like that, or was it more trying to figure out what was going on? I did get to a really dark place where I think it was more because of the fact there was a stage in my life where it was, I'd say it was only like eight, well, two years ago really now, and... Um, where I had that many panic attacks every day and this constant feeling of being on edge that I think it, it just got to that place where I didn't know what a normal day felt like again and I couldn't remember it and that was really sad and I think that's what made me feel like what's the point anymore um, which then took me to a place where you know I couldn't get out of bed and I didn't want to wake up because sleeping was just the only place where I, I didn't feel that angst feeling Um so yeah, I did reach a really dark place and wall and that's actually the period where in the end I ended up going back home and back to my parents and, and living back with them for a little while and and thank God for my family because I honestly do think without my family I wouldn't be here. Um, if I was just left to my own devices or, or here on my own in London and, and you know, I think things could have gone a completely different way. So I do think being back with my family and having the people that, know me from literally the moment I was born and the people that just love me unconditionally and will never judge me I think that was amazing um which also as well kind of made me feel so weird about not weird but just like when I kind of have come through the other end of it I realized how much a force of nature for instance my parents were and I look to people who you maybe don't have that support in their life and they're going through something that I went through and worse. And I just think, wow, like if you can get through that, then you are the strongest person and the bravest person in the world. Um, because I know that without a helping hand, I couldn't have done it. 
And even though, you know, it, obviously it does take a lot of yourself to, to work your way through it. But I think for me, it was just like, I just can't comprehend people that are on their own. Yes. And, and, and that's kind of probably one of the biggest reasons why I've partnered up with people like Mind Organization and, and opened up and spoken about it more because there are so many people out there that don't feel like they have anyone to talk to or anyone to go to and and there is help out there. So I think that's kind of one thing that I really want to always make awareness of. Yes, yes, that's something that we talk about. Mental health comes up quite a lot actually in this show because it's it's something that people are much more comfortable talking about these days it's always been there but but thankfully and this is one of the big changes of the last two three years people do share their stories now and it and it's becoming easier and more accepted for people to discuss it because it's it's less kind of frightening for people to share and one of the things that I'm always saying is the Samaritans you know there's always someone at the end of the uh, end of the phone there's always someone there if you don't have a network like you've talked about if you don't have family or a therapist or whoever that you can go to 24 hours a day seven days a week there is always a free phone call to someone that won't judge you and might be able to help you Mm. and also I think um I'm just so happy that it's not like if we go back 10 years ago as well I think even if I'd have had this conversation if I felt this way like nobody would have related or understood and you know I think that we've come a long long way we've still got a long way to go but it's such a less taboo subject which is amazing um and it should never be and it should never be something anyone's ashamed of or embarrassed of or should hide behind closed doors with like it's something I feel like now like the more you open up and talk about it the better you are going to feel because I guarantee like you know I don't even know what the scientific stats are on it but you know I almost can guarantee if you walk down the street, you've probably walked past a handful of people that are going through something themselves. Yes. Yes, you're so right. And the more people share, the, the more normal it becomes to, to be able to discuss it. I think that's the way to put it, isn't it? It's, it's, yeah. a, it's a difficult one to understand because everybody has their own kind of bias towards these things. But certainly, you're right, 10 years ago, if you'd kind of said, oh, I'm having a really tough time with my mental health, there, and there were people around you, there'd have been a few of them that would take a big step back, like they're going to catch something from you. Whereas now, it's just <laughs> sort of, well, you know, you know what I mean? It would have been, oh, lurgy. Whereas now, it's like, of course, of course, we need to discuss this. We can help. Let's, let's make this better. Because it's recognised properly now, and it's not not something that I think people should fear sharing because sharing, as you're saying, seems to be the way to move on. Absolutely. And I think for a long time, there was a stigma of like, if you opened up and admitted to facing mental health or your own personal challenges, you know, a lot of people feel like it makes them look like a weak person. But if you actually break it down, I don't know what is weak about going through something that's really difficult, uh, you know, like, because if we had a friend that sat down in front of us and broke down in front of us and told us something they feel like, you know, that it's, that's really getting to them, you wouldn't turn around to them and be like, oh, you're really weak, go away. Um, but for some reason, when it's ourselves, we feel like it's, you know, we shouldn't feel that way. And y- you can kind of close off and be and almost hide away from it. So I think there's this thing where sometimes, like, look, kind of get out of your own body and look at yourself as if you are your your best friend and be like oh okay I wouldn't maybe treat my best mate like that so I'm gonna treat myself like that yes yes you're right and, and also talking about like the rehabilitation as well Ella like if it was a physical thing if someone let's say it was a footballer we, we all saw them get hurt on the pitch you would fully expect and be behind them going to rehab going to physio watching the muscle rebuild and so on that's just because it's a physical thing we get it you know what I mean and people kind of yeah. need to realize that it's the same with the mind and when the mind does things that aren't that we're not used to when it's not normal in inverted commas 
that needs retraining. It needs help. Absolutely, yeah. And I, I have to say, like, even simple things like breathing techniques or meditation, yoga, or finding a hobby that's something where, for me, I, you know, for me, obviously, music is my therapy. And But for a long time, actually, when I was struggling, I couldn't even touch the piano. It was something that I just felt like I couldn't go near because I felt almost like I wasn't good enough to sit there and I was not ready for it. So I had to find other ways of, like, of getting myself to feel you know, back to myself again and things like listening to podcasts or just taking the dogs for a walk every day at a certain time and um, going on different routes. And I tell you what does make a difference as well is just like looking up, like, like for so long, I think I would always just like walk straight ahead and just see what's like on the ground around me and looking up and seeing the tops of trees and the top of the sky and things that actually, um, you know, they're going to make you feel better. One, it's going to physically make you feel better by looking up, but then as well, like you've got, you know, there's the more, beautiful things as well in life kind of are when you look up um, and I think just all these little implements these things that you can implement into your life um, are key and even sleep my sleep patterns were horrendous I think one of the, one of the biggest things for me and um, all of that was I wasn't getting enough sleep I used to like stay up ridiculous hours you know whether it was me in the studio or pushing myself or trying to like um stay up or, or maybe I just couldn't sleep because I just had too much on my mind but finding a way to wind down and giving your body that rest as well is like the best form of rehabilitation you could ever put yourself through yes yes you're so right Ellie you should just listening to you speak you know you, I said earlier you know you're so kind of advanced you're so mature and everything else and, and your your life advice is so well informed you should write a book or, or have a podcast about helping you know that there's this great kind of wealth of knowledge and experience and life that you've lived and you share it so eloquently. You really, I, I don't know, I just kind of get the sense you could, you, you should be doing more to put it out there uh, other than music, <laughs> as, as well as music, obviously. You know what I mean? You're just, no, absolutely. you seem very clued up I about think, it all. I do. It's weird. I don't feel that way. <laughs> I guess it's just like, I think of when you've lived through something, you obviously, you, you're able to talk about it, aren't you? But I think... Um, we don't see what don't other know, people see, though. Maybe you know? it's something I will do in years to come when I feel like I'm ready to do something like that. Yes. Yes. I mean, it's, sometimes it, it takes someone random to point it out. You know, I mean, I, I look in the mirror these days yeah. and I see this ancient old man that looks like a smashed up tea bag that's been sitting next to a sink. <laughs> You know, and I think what on earth happened? And I also think I look enormous. And then someone will say, "Oh, have you been working out?" And I'll be, "Oh, God, what? That's not what the mirror is showing me." You know, I mean, that, no one has actually asked me if I've been working out for many years, by the way. But if it were to happen, I'd be delighted. That's what I mean. Sometimes you need a random person to point out something that you can't see yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. And yeah. I'm, I'm mindful that we've been talking perhaps a little bit longer than we were supposed to have done and we haven't talked properly about the music. Have you got a few minutes? Because I really want to push it if, if, you, if yeah, you do. Yeah, no, for sure. Go, yeah, go for it. Because you, you've been so open and honest and amazing and we've taken all these tangents that I wasn't kind of expecting to talk about for so long. So bless you for that. That's, that's really amazing. Um, Ella, let's talk about everything I didn't say. It's out on the 11th of March. We've established that yep. it's seven years in the writing. Tell me about this brilliant body of work I mean obviously I've come straight in with my first single Brave um which for me I feel as though is like it rounds up and holds like kind of holds the whole album together um probably like musically and production wise but also just like 
lyrically as well, I feel like it represents where I'm at in my life now. You know, Brave is the standpoint of coming into everything. Of it's, it's the new year, it's January, and obviously we've spoken a lot about mental health, and January is a time where a lot of us can dip and feel like, you know, we're waiting for the next paycheck, we've spent all our money at Christmas, and we do sometimes have a bit of a wobble and a dark place in Jan. So I wanted to bring a song that, you know, is so personal to me, um, and I relate to so much with the lyrics where, you know, it showcases that there is light at the end of the tunnel and sometimes it's okay to not be okay. Um, and the video, I feel like, translates that as well. So it's a song that's really personal to me. and It's quite anthemic sounding. It's very soulful. Um, and I just feel like, for me, I wanted to come back with a big record and Brave felt like that to me. And um, going into the album, yeah, I mean, as I said before, like this album, the way I write is very much like an open diary, an open book. And I've always written that way just because I've always written off my own experience and my own emotions and I'm feeling high or low, sad, angry. That's what's going to be poured out of me that day. Um, and that is kind of what this, this album takes you on. It's a mixture of everything, you know, and, and everything I've experienced and people along the way. Um, so I hope there's at least one song that my fans can relate to on there. I would say there's lots. And, and I mean, Brave in particular, which is, is the song people will be aware of at the moment, as is Let's Go Home Together, which we'll talk about in a second. It's a huge, I mean, yes, you, you, the words are very powerful and moving, but but kind of the melody, the track, it's a huge tune. It's, it's instantly catchy. You know, you have this kind of track record of coming up with songs that you're humming along to immediately, which is a you know, brilliant trick. Am I right in saying, though, because it's important to say this if, you, if, if I'm correct, is that you have actually dedicated Brave to to somebody important? Yes, I have. Um, and it was, obviously it was, again, that wasn't like an intentional thing, but um, unfortunately a girl that I, I met um, just over a year ago now, Paige Duggle from Scotland, she was um, battling against a really rare form of cancer and we grew really, really close. And one of her dreams was to come and record a song in a studio. So I got her to London and we made that happen. We had a day of eating pizza, eating cupcakes. And she just, um, she felt like almost like a little sister to me. And we really grew a close bond and was messaging all the way through the remainder of her life. And unfortunately she lost, she lost her fight to cancer. Um, and I found that out the morning of the day before of me releasing Brave, which was, you know, it was just awful news um and just so awful for the whole family and speaking to her mum I was like you know it's come at a very bittersweet time because I meant to be sat here all happy and positive and I'm crying my eyes out so yes. it was very surreal and I think I just couldn't not dedicate this song to her that day before because I just felt as though she's literally the pinnacle of what Brave stands for um like right to the end she just had a smile on her face and the attitude the sense of humor like she would make you belly laugh um, the little one-liner she'd come out with as a 17, 18-year-old is just hilarious. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, I, I wanted to dedicate that to her and her family and also I've just, you know, mark a, a point for her lifespan and, and, you know, what she brought to the planet. And and, and to me, in my life, she, she definitely had an impact on my life. Um, you know, I'm, I even speak to her mum quite often still. Um, and, yeah, we're, we're just really close. So, yeah, it was a really, really strange time. But um, equally, the type of character she was, I know that she would just want the best for me and she'd be so, so proud of the song. Yes. Um, so I think when I released it, it kind of just felt like I couldn't not dedicate it to her. I think that's a really lovely thing to do. I must say, sort of from my personal perspective, I was aware that you'd 
kind of spent this time with her recording this song together and I hadn't I didn't realize she'd passed away until we st- I started looking into uh, obviously ahead of our chat today and she, you know mm. she, she'd written some music about her battle and you 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 played the piano and you were the backing vocalist for her for her and everything else and I sort of when I heard about this I thought what an amazing thing for Ella to do what an amazing experience for Paige and I just sort of thought I really hope you know, Paige gets to see that and, 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 you know, she gets to release the album. And I, of course, I hope she wins her fight. So I was, I was personally heartbroken because she sounded like such a lovely, lovely soul. And, and actually that also reflects on you because you will have been an incredible shining light for those last few months of her life. She would have, she would have felt like dream achievement. And, and that's because of you and the efforts you went to. So huge credit to you for that as well. And, I, and I'm really sorry for your loss because that's, it's, it's incredibly sad. Yeah, no, and I think more so I'm just sorry for her family and they're such a wicked family, like they're so much fun and just such an amazing group of people. So yeah, it's been really hard. But I think um ultimately now we're all just like let's remain positive for Paige and you know, even at her funeral everybody wore unfortunately I couldn't make it, um, but I did a video message for her and the family and um I was her mum wanted everybody in bright colours to represent Paige and yeah, and, and they even played the song at the funeral that we wrote together and um, and we did manage to release it. I think I'm so glad that she was able to put it out there. I think she even got it, it charted on um, on the radio in Scotland, you know. She did. She got some amazing interviews. She was getting more interviews than me <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, at the time her. of when she released it. And um, I'm just so glad that she had that opportunity and, you know, if it was one tiny, tiny thing that made made that girl smile then um yeah I'm, I'm super happy with that yeah good for you that was a that was a really lovely thing to do it, it's difficult to kind of change the tone after you've spoken so eloquently about that but but the other single which i think people will have heard by now is let's go home together completely different vibe of course to brave uh you 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 sang it and, and i think you wrote it with tom grennan as well there's a lovely vibe between the two of you i know that people have asked oh is anything going on and uh, well, we know it hasn't but it's a there's a great connection in the video as well but what a tune it's it's terrific yeah no i'm so proud of that song obviously originally i wrote it with james arthur my buddy but um he couldn't be on the on the record for the timings and, and all our schedule and everything. But doing it with Tom has just been amazing. Like we're such good mates, and um, and yeah, what a what a way to bring like the pub back to the people in the British summertime. Like I just feel like it's a song that people needed, and it was a song that's been under under my belt for a long time, and I've always loved this record. So obviously having it on the album as well is an absolute pleasure, and I feel like the fans love this one. Yes, yes, it's 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 huge fun. So look, we've we've talked about the singles there's obviously i'm having heard the album i I suspect you've got quite a few more singles to come right everything i didn't say is the name of the album it's out on the 11th of march i think it's going to do brilliantly and of course in terms of live i know you've been doing some gigs but you have a massive tour coming up with the script this is in may and june isn't it yes yeah um so i'm so excited about doing the tour i cannot wait to get on tour get back on the road get back performing even as a punter i can't just wait i can't wait to watch their show and see them back so um yeah and i'm super super excited brilliant ella thank you so much i know we've gone long and i really appreciate your company today that's that's so kind of you i I can only wish you the very best with all of it i think the new album's going to take the world by storm and i think you're going to be doing these chat shows for a long time to come i'm afraid Oh, absolutely! I hope so. I bloody hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can we can we just make a pact that it's not seven years until the next album, though? Is that is that fair enough? Yeah, we can make that pact. We can make that pact. I'm back now, and I'm in a good place. So, yeah.
Good. That's really good to hear. Ella, what a pleasure. It, it genuinely has been an absolute joy talking. Thank you very much for your company. And you. Thank you so much. Take I care. Appreciate it's it. been a real joy. And good luck with everything. I, I, it's going gonna, it's gonna to blow up. It's going to be amazing. The Andy J Podcast. So there you go. That was Ella Henderson. I really enjoyed our conversation. I thought she was terrific. Uh, let me just tell you, next week on the Andy J Podcast, I am welcoming... Mr. Made in Chelsea himself, even though he hasn't been in, made in Chelsea for several seasons. Nonetheless, he was one of the original cast members in it, for, in it for about, I don't know, 10 seasons or so. The fascinating Spencer Matthews, often cast as the bad boy. Uh, and, and he's kind of reinvented himself recently with his, obviously, romance and marriage to Vogue Williams. And they now have kids with a third one on the way. His friendship with Jamie Lang is heavily documented. But it's what he's done and achieved away from the screens, away from the cameras, that is really impressive, that really marks Spencer out as a man of distinction and fascination. And it's a very, very interesting conversation for you. So I hope you will check out episode what will be 103 of the Andy J podcast, dropping next Tuesday, wherever you get your pods with Spencer Matthews. Meantime, go well, be kind to yourself, and make someone smile. Catch you on the flip side. Bye-bye. The Andy J podcast. 